Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Denefsky, and today I spoke with Caitlin Smith of the World Resources Institute. As you'll hear, WRI is a global research organization spanning more than 60 countries that is dedicated to working with leaders in those countries to sustain the world's natural resources. From climate, energy, and water to our oceans and cities, WRI focuses its efforts on taking the best ideas on sustainability and effectively implementing them. I hope you enjoy learning about their work and how it's helping humanity. Today I'm speaking with Caitlin Smith, an associate with the Sustainable Finance Center at the World Resources Institute. Caitlin, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks for having me, Brooke. I'm excited to be here. So to start, can you talk a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I kind of have taken a meandering path um, to the World Resources Institute. I have been with WRI for three years um, on the sustainable public finance team, um, and I, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I I actually kind of just got really interested in the question of, like, sustainable development. In my early 20s, I was teaching overseas and traveling, and, you know, you go to a lot of, a lot of massive Southeast Asian cities that have horrible water, horrible pollution, um, and you just kind of, I don't know, my brain just started to wonder, you know, there has to be a better way to do this, especially if you, you know, layer in climate going forward. So I kind of went back to grad school to study sustainable development um, and then kind of just found my way into, into sustainable public finance, which is kind of looking at how the international, I look at how the international institutions um, can better allocate their funding to support climate. Yeah. And what is WRI's mission? So WRI's mission um, is, you know, to create partnerships between governments, businesses, and communities um, where we can find kind of the best data-driven solutions um, to create a more equitable world um, and a more equitable world looking at both kind of how to eliminate poverty and then sustain the natural environment for everybody at every income level, every community, and every country. Um, and so it's kind of really looking at how do we use the best available information and research um, to drive um, kind of more sustainable change and more sustainable growth around the world. Great, thank you. And I know that WRI works in over 60 countries, so can you discuss just how far-reaching your work is and some of the most prominent countries that you work with? Yeah, for sure. So. WRI has offices in Brazil, India, Indonesia, China, um, Ghana, I think those five, in addition to the headquarters in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and then, you know, each kind of week, WRI has staff that works across kind of a bunch of different functional divisions, so everything from energy to cities, um, and then kind of um, cross, we call them cross-cutting issues, but issues like governance um, and finance that touch every sector um, and kind of every aspect of our mission. Um, and so then within each of those programs, you know, we have, we, we're working on projects um, kind of around the world. My team in particular, um, 
like we're working, I'm working with the Fiji Ministry of Economy. I have a coworker who's working with the government of Guatemala to kind of build out their kind of climate finance capacity. And so it's hard to kind of pick just one and say, you know, our most, our biggest operations are in this place. Um, but I think, you know, our, our global offices do some incredible work, um, for sure. And so kind of across the board, like the internet yeah. office, the all those offices are doing a lot on kind of creating sustainable cities and implementing kind of more equitable solutions, um, integrated transport, alien major based solutions, um, all sorts of projects that are really kind of critically important and tailored to the local context, which is the upside of having um, offices around the world. Great. And I know that WRI takes a threefold approach to how to best manage the natural resources of our planet to benefit everyone. And so can you discuss what this approach is? Yeah, so we really quickly call it, you know, count it, scale it, sorry, count it, change it, scale it. Um, and so, you know, the count it side is what what can we research? What does the data show? How can we best understand, you know, using that data, how do you best understand the problems or the solutions that are in the cars? Um, and that's really with a focus on on being unbiased and being as a kind of as neutral as possible. Um, so we always go in and say, like, what does the data say? We start with the data. Um, and then as we use the data and kind of as we come up with solutions, um, the next thing is change it, which is leveraging our partnership, our size, um, our relationships um, across business and government um, and other NGOs to both kind of identify the solutions, to advocate for the solutions that we've identified as being the most impactful um, and then to really try to work on how do you implement um, effective solutions to the problems that we've seen. And then scale it, obviously, one project in one country or in one community in one country is not, is not really going to lead to the change that people need. Um, and so it's the same kind of approach, you know. How do you leverage the resources you have? How do you, you know, how do you reach out to the different communities, different government institutions, different government stakeholders to build off of the solutions that we've identified as being most impactful. So can it change at scale? Yeah, and you mentioned something about how, like, the importance of data. So I was just wondering, what role would you say research and even technology plays in your work? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think every position at WRI does research to some degree. <laughs> I, mean, um, I know my my job, most the majority of my role, regardless of the project, project or institution we're working with, um, it all comes back to, to research. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, primary research where we're the ones going in and, um, you know, compiling the data set and, and crunching the wrong numbers. Um, sometimes it's making sense of other people's research. But I think every, every single position, to varying degrees, obviously, right? But everything comes back to what is the research show. Yeah, and what are some of the specific projects and programs that WRI is currently working on? So, I have some co some of my colleagues are working on um, kind of private sector investing, um, and so working either with WRI's endowment or other private sector institutions um, to understand both the um, gaps that currently exist in sustainable investing 
and to kind of pinpoint or advocate for solutions um, to close those gaps. And I have other colleagues who are working on um, China's Belt Road Initiative and looking how to make looking into how to make that as environmentally friendly or kind of as environmentally um, compatible as possible um, and to ensure that climate is integrated into the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, I have colleagues who are working on the Multilateral Development Bank and looking at how the MDBs can better support Paris alignment. So ensure that more of MDB operations are aligned with the objectives of the Paris Agreement. I have, I have colleagues who are looking at climate and the IMS um, and, and the, the way, you know, roles in which, ways in which the IMS um, can better discuss, better advocate for climate. Um, and same question at the G20 and COVID recovery. Um, and then but the bulk of my work, um, I mentioned this before, but as a project um, to build the capacity of finance ministries in developing countries. Um, and so in that bucket, we have, um, like I have colleagues in India and colleagues in Guatemala, um, and I was in Fiji and I'm still kind of continuing the work, but just not from that kind of advising these institutions on Know, helping them understand what where is their current climate finance coming from, um, where does it need to go, and then how what are the options for um, scaling up or you know kind of improving their climate finance investments, um, and that the Fiji work in particular um, has kind of like evolved from an initial like research report looking at the state of their climate finance. Um, and now it includes strategy going forward to say, here's where, you know, over the, the next five to seven years, um, here's where pretty much anybody who wants to support PG um, on climate, here's where to start. Um, it's looking at how to help them set up um, something called the Project Development Unit, which would um, kind of help identify and build out projects that could be ready to be funded. Um, and then it's also supporting um, the launch of or my colleague is, has launched something called the Dura Incubator, um, which will kind of pilot and, and um, launch microfinance solutions for some of the most vulnerable Fijians. So that includes um, like small holder farmers, fishermen, um, you know, people who are otherwise kind of locked out of the more um, expansive or more expensive <laughs> insurance products. Um, so it's a pretty, um, it's definitely a very inspiring place to work. Um, you know, there's, there's always really, you know, every single team at WRI is doing a lot of really, really innovative stuff. Yeah, I know it definitely was a big question. I know, especially considering how WRI does work with like climate, energy, food, forests, water, cities, and the oceans. So I know that a lot of these issues are also intertwined. So how exactly are some of these global resource-related issues related, and especially their solutions as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way I kind of think about it is every single one of these issues, you know, climate, energy, food, forest, water, cities, ocean. Well, let me back up. The, the kind of pure environmental ones, right? So oceans, forests, water. Um, those are kind of these like 
fundamental essential human resources, essential natural resources that we depend on for our survival um, that we have, I think, kind of long taken for granted. Um, and we've kind of long assumed that, you know, the ocean will always supply plenty of fish and have plenty of coral reefs. You know, the forests are there for us to provide us with with the wood we need, um, you know, whether it's built housing or whether that's to build fires or to make paper or whatever it is. Um, but those, those are all um, kind of like the foundational inputs, you could say, to kind of essential human needs, right? Um, and human kind of the economic development is where, you know, that's where energy comes in, that's where cities come in. Um, that's where food comes in, right? Is like kind of essential pillars for econo- our human economic development. Um, and every single, every single economic action we do has an impact on the natural world. Um, and cutting down forests hurts the water supply um, because it, it often makes it hard for, you know, water coming, the water cycle to, to return it water to the ground. Um, and then it also exacerbates climate, which we all know, right? Um, cutting down forests, quick way to release emissions. It's also a quick way to get rid of essential carbon sinks. And so that's kind of up, I think, you know, until the last couple of decades, we've just unintentionally, but kind of managed these resources as independent issues, right? We don't think about, we, yeah. So a lot of WRI's work is, is looking and saying, like, look, you know, we need we need to feed we need to feed 10 billion people by the end of the century. Um, but we also have a limited supply of, you know, there's there's some constraints on the water cycle, there are constraints on on the land, um, and we need forests. We need forests that are you know happy and healthy. And so how do you kind of put those all um, together and you know recognizing the constraints? How do you create a more equitable food system? Um, and you could you could kind of take the same same sort of exercise across the board. Um, one that I think comes up a lot in Fiji um, is oceans. Um, you know, oceans. You know, Fiji's Fiji's a, an island country, right? Um, so sixty percent of Fijians live on the coast, um, and the majority of the bulk of Fijian food supply. Um, a lot of, you know, especially a lot of villages, a lot of um, kind of subsistence villages um, depend on the oceans to catch fish um, for that. That's their kind of staple for their diet. Um, but the oceans, as we know, are being kind of, they're kind of crippling, like they're dying um, from both too much pollution. A lot of that is some of that is just waste that gets thrown into the ocean. A lot of it, um, some of it is is um, from like pollution from the energy we use to ship everything around the world, and all of that is kind of compounding and really like eroding the safety of the ocean. Um, and so, one of you know, there's a lot of talk about how can you, if you could decarbonize shipping you could remove all this environmental stress on the ocean. You could contribute to mitigating climate um, and you could ensure a stable food supply um, for all of these vulnerable kind of communities across, around the world. 
Um, but you have to think of them as all kind of these are all that you know these are all pieces that are that are tied together, and that means the problem is compounded, but also the solution lies in in understanding how they're related and understanding how you can get them all to work together. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times organizations are looking for like economic gain or harming biodiversity and environments in general, but they don't realize that biodiversity and the climate is essential in general to economic development. So I think it's important people realize. Yep. I think that's, you, you nailed it. You know, I think for a long time, people thought there was this tension between climate and economics. And um, we all, not, we generally defaulted to what was in the best economic interest. Um, but we, I think, failed to recognize that, <laughs> You know, we can't, we don't have an economy with an unstable climate. You know, I think we've, we've seen that pretty clear over the last year. Yeah. And how does WRI work with communities and other organizations to create lasting change? That's a great question. Um, WRI is, you know, part of it is, a lot of it is through partnerships, right? So even the, the project I'm on, like we are working with the Fijian government. And then with our, you know, with the Fijian government, we're working with kind of development partners, the UN agencies, um, other civil society organizations to, to kind of get an understanding of like, what are the most effective solutions that can be implemented in Fiji? Um, you know, WRI can bring, we can bring the research capacity, we can bring the analytical capacity, we can bring a, an international platform. Um, but then, you know, the Fijians understand, like, what is going to work most effectively in Fiji. Um, and so it is, you know, it's kind of a constant conversation there. Um, earlier this, you know, a couple years ago, WRI launched something called the Global Commission on Adaptation, um, which was this high-level convening, in, including Ban Ki-moon and Bill Gates, um, the Attorney General in Fiji, um, and I think about 30 35 other kind of senior, like, you know, world leaders in business, government, um, development institutions um, to come together to both break down, you know, WRI kind of did the, like, research exploration of what are the most effective ways um, to adapt to climate and what are the most effective ways that, like, what are the nature-based solutions that a, a community in Fiji or community in Rwanda um, could implement to protect themselves, and how do you kind of so how do you identify those? How do you bring the right people to the table um, to get the resources and expertise together to implement the change? And then, you know, with that, with that kind of with the platform that that so many leaders bring, um, you know, then that makes it easy to to scale it. Yeah, and are there any particular experiences that you had firsthand that you can share about the impact that WRI has had? Yeah, um, so as part of the, so the Fijian Attorney General um, is a commissioner for the Global Commission on Adaptation. Um, and so as part of, um, to kind of help mark the launch of, of their report, Adopt Now, um, I reached out to kind of my colleagues in the ministry to say, hey, are there, Fijian communities are incredibly vulnerable. They're vulnerable to flooding, they're vulnerable to sea level rise, um, they're vulnerable to drought, 
Um, they're vulnerable, incredibly vulnerable to cyclones. Um, so, you know, do you have, are there examples on, on the ground of, of communities that have, um, you know, found really effective ways um, to hold back a lot of these environmental threats? Um, and we kind of got put in touch with this community um, that is right on a river in Fiji um, and that had been moving its, its riverbank. Um, and so the riverbank was eroding with every flood. It was like, you know, eight, six, seven years ago. Every single rainstorm would lead to a flood that would erode more of the riverbank. And slowly the, the erosion of the riverbank was getting closer and closer to where the community center, like the community center was and a lot of the houses were. Um, and so this community kind of through word of mouth um, was advised to implement something called Bevetier um, grass, which is this really remarkable <laughs> grass. Um, but it has a really, really deep root system. Um, it grows, it's like incredibly abundant in Fiji. Um, and so, but because it has this really deep root system, it, if you plant it on the, kind of on the edge of the riverbank, and then the roots barrow down, and they, they, they are able to be strong enough to hold the bank and break a flood, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so it's like, you know, people, but it's like, this is the benefit of, you know, a lot of local communities, like, they, they've had the experience of seeing, you know, the, um, the water, or the grass breaking, breaking yeah. the water. Um, and so, and this community planted all this grass and it stopped, it stopped um, flooding. And um, so we, we took the attorney general out to this community um, to kind of see the grass and, you know, to say, look, here's an example of, of how this, this really tiny community in Fiji has adapted. Um, and I was, you know, speaking with the, the woman who kind of spearheaded the whole thing. Um, and I said, you know, how do you know that this works? Right. Because in the, in the development space, um, you know, there, you need to have all these, all these tests, right. There need to be like all the, you know, all detailed research into how, you know, how do you ensure that the grass is actually stopped? She's like, well, the flooding stopped. <laughs> And the riverbank is still there. And then, and not only is the riverbank still, still there, but all the vegetation has grown back. Um, so like, that's all the proof we need. Like, that's true. Um, and then kind of in the, in the year and a half since then, you know, we kind of brought this project to the, the attention of the, the attorney general. And then, um, they've now established a couple of nurseries, um, in Fiji to like grow this grass, um, you know, grow it kind of more systematically and distribute it to more communities. Um, who are facing a lot of the same challenges. Um, so I don't think, you know, I think it's kind of like one example of how all this pieces. I mean, it's clear that you're doing so many different things. So I just want to ask what role do donations play? And if someone chooses to donate, how exactly is their resources being used? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think WRI is an NGO, right? So we are a nonprofit. So um, you know, we, we get our funding from a lot of different sources and, but donations are a huge, you know, are a significant part of how we are able to, um, not just put out reports, but kind of, you know, reach the stakeholders we need to reach, form new partnerships, um, and kind of like 
and continue to, to do this um, kind of iterative process of identifying solutions on the ground and then um, scaling them to the rest of the world. Um, and so you get, you know, there's, you can donate through our website, wri.org. Um, and yeah. Nice. And is there anything else that you'd like to add about WRI or your mission or anything in general? Um, I think just one other thought that kind of somebody asked me a while ago. Um, I think the value of, of institutions like WRI um, and, and particularly the nonprofit world um, is that we're able to kind of occupy this space, I guess you could say, in between government and business, right? So we're able to keep our focus purely on a mission, um, purely on, you know, what is in the best interest of this resource or what is in the best interest of this of the financial system, creating um, the financial system. Um, and then we're able to kind of do the research and find the solutions and um, kind of do all of the heavy lifting that a lot of governments don't necessarily have the, the time to do, and that's not a, that's not a, that's not not meant as a negative thing. It's just that governments are asked to do a lot of things, um, so they're very taxed. Um, and we can do it in a way where then we are able to hold both governments and kind of hold all institutions to account for both what they've committed to do and what they are actually doing. And so it, they're kind of an essential part of the broader. It makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate your time, and hopefully, I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in these issues, so thank you. Yeah, thank you.